Thank you, everyone. We have Kim here, and I'm really excited for this podcast episode because she is a best-selling author. A I actually am really curious about what this means—a trauma-informed coach and trainer—and I think like we're gonna go into this a little bit more. But you have like a lot under your belt as well as like crown yourself. So we're gonna talk about this a little bit more. But first off, can you give me like a short introduction about yourself, your backgrounds, interests, or hobbies? Yeah, so I am a high-performance coach. I specialize in working with visionary leaders, founders, CEOs, director of operations, um, and management positions in really shifting their self-limiting beliefs and their subconscious success strategies and looking at how they've been successful in one area, how we can apply that same success strategy to another area where they may be struggling. Like maybe they're having a lot of success in their career and their business, but then their relationship is suffering because of that. So we look at how can we apply that. Um, and I help them at building their empires and increasing their income and their impact. That's great. And can you get, tell me a little bit about what does it mean to be trauma informed? I think that was the part that I was like, oh, that's a little bit of an interesting word choice. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of my, I, I chose to get certified in biodynamic breath work and trauma. Oh, wow. So it is a specific form of breath work for um, people who have experienced trauma. I experienced mm -hmm. trauma as a, as a young child, all forms of abuse, because I, I grew up with an addict. Um, and from that experience, it it shaped the way I was making decisions early on mm. in my career in from a very reactionary place. So what I do is I don't work from the top down, as, as we say, there's working from the top down and from the bottom up. And the top down for trauma specifically is reserved for psychology, but from the bottom up, I work somatically. So I work using the breath and the body to activate the parasympathetic nervous system, the vagal nerve to be able to have more of that physiological resilience um, to adapt to stress easier and to be able to make better decisions that are more aligned with where you want to go instead of from that fear-based space, which is basically fight, flight, freeze. Mm. So is this actually like a big reason why you started to do this is because of like your background and maybe like helping other people to get to where they want to go? Yeah. Yeah. I saw a need in um, applying more somatic principles into mm -hmm. my coaching because I I saw that people were very good at talking, but actually embodying mm -hmm. the work of transformation and of change. Like when you can say something, you know something, and you know you know something, but sometimes if you're not actually making those aligned decisions in the way that you want to go, that means that a decision or a choice or a belief system hasn't been fully embodied. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can be because of childhood trauma and experiences from your past. Even if it wasn't childhood, it could be um, like I had one client who had struggled with a very bad business buyout and what he wasn't trusting his decision making to be able to move into that next chapter of his next business and his next venture that he was doing. So mm -hmm. we had to work through that uh, trauma somatically in order for him to feel safe and secure and trusting in his own decision making process. Interesting. In terms of your actual background, did you like study in psychology or? Yeah, so my background is actually in storytelling. I started okay. out in Hollywood um, writing screenplays. And to support myself in Hollywood, I because you need a bridge job, um, <laughs> I, I started teaching Pilates. And Pilates was a saving grace for me. For one, it put me into a leadership position. Mm -hmm. It was something – I never was a fitness person. I never thought I would get into fitness. But I found it through my connections in Hollywood. And I figured, you know, Kate Hudson does Pilates. I might as well try mm -hmm. it. <laughs> and I, within a few months, I started seeing not only results, but I started feeling differently in my body. Because prior to that, I'd struggled 10 years of bulimia. 
and body image issues, body dysmorphia. And it was the first time and the first experience that I ever had feeling really good in my body. And I said, I have to teach this. I have to help other women feel this good in their body. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately got certified in Pilates. And I was an instructor for over 12 years. And what I realized through that experience is I was exposed to, I changed my environment from the environment that I grew up in to being surrounded by 10 different people, 10 days, uh, not 10 days a week, because there's not 10 days in the week. (laughs) (laughs) This is the end of the day for me. (laughs) 10 10 different people, six days a week, Mm -hmm. working in a leadership position where people were coming to me for their fitness advice. Now, I wouldn't be... Uh, sharing, you know, things on health or diet because that wasn't my background or knowledge, but I could share about this one system, this one process, mm-hmm. Pilates, that really served me. And it served, little did I know, now knowing what I know about neuroscience and um, psychology and somatic work, because Pilates, just like yoga, it it works with the parasympathetic breath you're able to actually create that resilience to go from sympathetic, so your fight, flight, freeze response, mm-hmm. your your fear-based responses into a deregulation of the nervous system to rest and digest, which is how the nervous system is supposed to go. It's supposed to mm-hmm. easily ebb and flow. So I was, I was practicing Pilates and teaching it, and I found that the being in the leadership position combined with changing my environment, so by changing your environment, you're exposed to a whole... Um, a whole so many different perspectives that's why i love podcasts because mm-hmm. with podcasts you can listen to so many other different people's perspectives and you start to realize that the belief systems that you grew up with initially may have served you to a point but they may not be the ones that'll serve you to where you want to go mm-hmm. and what being exposed to 10 different people six days a week for me was i got to see oh my gosh like productivity is a belief like for mm-hmm. example i had two clients um during that time, one who was a very uh, high-powered attorney, partner in a law firm, one of the biggest law firms in the world, and another one who was a stay-at-home mom. And as I was working with both of their bodies, um, the stay-at-home mom who had two kids, both in high school, was supported fully financially by her ex-husband. Her kids both drove their own cars. She was the most stressed out person I'd ever met in my entire life, still Mm -hmm. to this day. The partner in the law firm, she was would come in at like nine o'clock at night with her, you know, she was pregnant, she was on her third kid. And I was like, I got to ask, like, how do you do this? <laughs> and I, it, so it allowed me, I wasn't listening to podcasts because that was yeah. you know, 15 years ago, but I, I, it exposed me to different ideas and different perceptions. And so when I asked, how do you do this? She's like, oh, I just do it. And she made it no big deal to be able mm-hmm. to go for those higher achiever things, those, those big goals that she wanted to have. And what I saw from that experience of just those two clients mm-hmm. in, in that one short year was that most people confuse busyness for productivity mm-hmm. or, and busyness for purpose as well, more specifically. So the my attorney client, she felt so purposeful in what she was doing. She felt so fulfilled being a mother and being a mother that was an example of what's possible for women, for her mm-hmm. uh, young boys. And the other client who I had, she was so focused on these little things like the the, the napkins for the PTA meeting mm-hmm. and these little tiny pieces, but and she stressed out over it because of lacking purpose, lacking feeling like she was lacking um, that that thing that makes her feel fulfilled. Yeah. 
and she didn't have that. And so those were powerful lessons that I started to learn and accumulate as I as I grew my Pilates business. I ended up within a year of becoming certified as a Pilates instructor, becoming the highest paid freelancer at the studio that I was working at. Nice. And after a couple of years, I said, you know what, I want to go off and start my own studio. So I started a private Pilates studio in Burbank. Thanks to my Pilates background, I got the opportunity to come on as a consultant for an e-commerce startup uh, regarding a backstretching device. And so once I, I saw the product, I said, I don't just want to be a consultant. I want to be a, a partner in the company. Mm-hmm. And I was with that company for two years. We got the product featured in the billboards in Times Squared and major magazines. Nice. It was it was a really powerful experience, though, growing a business with a business partner who was a whole generation, two generations older than I was, and our differing perspectives on how we believed a business should be run. And what ha- what I realized through that experience was that when the rubber meets the road, that's when we start making decisions based on our values mm-hmm. and versus based on the passion. Like so, most, so many people, when they start a business, they're like, I want, I'm so excited for the product and I've got this passion for this new tech yeah. thing or this new opportunity and there's the passion that keeps you going just like in any relationship like any Mm -hmm. romantic relationship you have that passion that heat that fervor and then when challenges start to happen that's when the clash of like are you really aligned on your values on your beliefs as to how things should run in the company Mm -hmm. we weren't and so three weeks before i uh three months before i was supposed to get married to my husband um my business partner said he wanted to buy me out and i was like i had just pitched it at the first round of shark tank auditions i was like I was shocked and we signed the buyout agreement three weeks before I got married. Um, I went off, flew off on my honeymoon and I was like, I don't know (laughs) what to do when I get back. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it was there on my honeymoon that after like way too many espressos and a full on like good morning brainstorming session, because that's what you do on your honeymoon. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I leaped off the couch and I said, I said, to my husband, you know, I have these all these passions and health and fitness and I love relationships and I love entrepreneurship and I love the concepts of success and psychology and storytelling. And I said, crown yourself. And he's like, what's that? I said, I don't know, but it's the name of my company. <laughs> and so I, I was inspired, but because of the experience of going through that buyout, yeah. I had so much doubt because I'd always been very audacious with my ass in the past when it came to my career. My personal relationships I had some struggles with before I met mm-hmm. my amazing husband. Um, my body image, I obviously had some issues there. and But I'd never had doubt or imposter syndrome when it came to my business. I mm-hmm. always was just very audacious. When I was approached with the opportunity to write a screenplay and get it produced and distributed on Netflix and Lionsgate, I was like, yes, I can do it. I I okay, I'll write a feature film. Um, And I I did it. And then same with, instead of being a consultant, I said, I want to be a partner. Mm -hmm. But after going through three months of dealing with lawyers for the first time who don't always send you the nicest emails when they're not on your side and you're not paying them, um, suddenly all these fears that I'd had about myself, about my femininity, about being a woman, about my age, about uh, my style of writing, my my style of doing business, everything was questioned Mm -hmm. and I was left with so much doubt. So even though I had the idea for Crown Yourself and I went off and I bought the domain and I got the web designer and I started building the business, I wasn't actually building the business because I wasn't building any profit or customers. Mm -hmm. So for a year and a half in my business, I made 
zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And that was when uh, I then found out I was pregnant and I said, I am unavailable for this because I need to financially support my child. <laughs> yeah. And I, I then said, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, if I'm going to tell my son that he can do anything in this world and he can become whoever he wants to be, he currently wants to be an astronaut, um, then I better damn well be living and practicing what I'm preaching. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately went off and got certified in neurolinguistic programming, timeline therapy, hypnosis, because I knew that the blocks mm-hmm. were subconscious. I knew it was a mindset block. I knew it was similar belief systems to the ones that I dealt with with um, my bulimia and my body yeah. issues. But I also knew that in this case, I had a nine-month deadline and didn't really have time <laughs> to figure it out myself. So I hired mm-hmm. a business coach and I got the this first few certifications. And within, within just a few months, my business started making money and growing. And it's been going well for the past five years. It's been great. That's great. I was actually about to ask you, like, what was the story behind Crown Yourself? Were you just like randomly brainstorming things that like you like to do? And then you're like, okay, I'm just going to make a business out of it. Yeah, I always, um, I, I was brainstorming on many different things because I thought of this holistic approach mm-hmm. because when I was at, with the, my e-commerce company, I was burnt out. My mm-hmm. Like I gained weight. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was constantly stressed. I w- my hair was falling out because I was like waking up in panic sweats of customer emails at like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. not being answered. Um, and so I was, I was not healthy. And my, the being bought out was so freeing. I didn't think so at the time, but it, <laughs> it really was liberating for me to see, oh, okay, these were all the ways I was doing business that were really out of alignment with who I mm-hmm. am, with what I, with what, and with what I want and with what I want to create in this world and create for women to be able to do. And, and so that crown yourself really came from, I, I loved pageants as a kid. That was one of the things when um, I was struggling with eating disorders that my, uh, I always would have the question of like, how did like beauty pageants helped you? And I was like, yes, Mm. because I found my people in beauty pageants because I, I, in high school, I was struggling with like, I was always the achiever who wanted to go out and like change the world. Like I thought I just recently um, was going through some boxes of old letters and things. And I found my old speech and it was like, I had literally planned to change like the state of homelessness in Los Angeles in one year in my, in 2004 with my, with my senior year. (laughs) I didn't achieve it, but like, those were my ambitions. They were lofty Mm -hmm. and large and I wanted to do it looking good and feeling Mm -hmm. good about myself. And so when I started doing pageants, I was like, these are my women. Like these Mm -hmm. are women who were ambitious and smart, despite what the media would portray them to be in many ways like they're ambitious and smart and they look really good and they're they're fit they care about their bodies I was like I want to hang out with these people I Mm -hmm. actually ditched my senior prom to go to Miss Teenage California (laughs) (laughs) and and it was so worth it Mm -hmm. um but that I always loved crowns and that idea of the a princess rising into queen and what I realized on my entrepreneurship journey is that when we are when we are children and as we grow into adulthood and we face the jadedness of everybody else who hasn't fully achieved their dreams, they, oh, you want those things, but oh, you'll see when you ha- get to, you know, this age mm-hmm. and all those beliefs versus a princess who's actually like being trained to reign and, and rule. Yeah. She is being groomed from the moment that she is born to be in a leadership position. And 
I think we've done ourselves a massive disservice by not training that into kids mm-hmm. from a very young age. Like I look at my my four year old and I'm like, oh no, he's a leader. <laughs> we are constantly reinforcing that program because mm-hmm. he is he is a trendsetter and a leader. And I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna encourage that and guide him to being a conscious leader instead of a four year old dictator. Yeah, <laughs> this world doesn't need any more dictators. Mm-hmm. We're good. <laughs> so, but really looking at that space of if we are training to crown ourselves in essence, to reign, mm-hmm. then then we need to be surrounding ourselves with people who are uplifting us, who are challenging our perspectives, who are challenging our current state of behavior to then allow us to rise into becoming more, to mm-hmm. rise us into holding different perspectives. And I mean, imagine what this world would look like if we looked at it from the eyes of being a servant leader, of serving others and consciously leading from a place of example instead of you should do this but I'm going to go ahead and do this and mm-hmm. like do as I do as I say but not as I do mm-hmm. like the world could be so magical when we all just step into that per- place and crown ourselves mm-hmm. so speaking of leadership like can you de- can you give me your definition of what leadership means a leader means owning who you are how you show up and every piece of how your team and your the systems that you create from your business or from your life, how those go mm-hmm. and being not in control, but owning all that you are the, the commander of all of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that ownership is something that is seriously lacking in leadership these days, mm-hmm. because when you own that people are taking commands or requests or collaboration from you and with you mm-hmm. then fully owning up that this is my time that you're, you know, uh, working with, but also it's your time. Yeah. And if we as leaders see each other as the Kings and Queens and value each other to the, at that level, it changes the dynamics and how we re- react and respond to each other. I think we would treat each other with much more respect being able to see leadership, from an example perspective mm-hmm. and from looking at it from being able to hold the long-term vision as well. I think that's mm-hmm. another piece of the leadership, a leader's job and of leadership is yep. the ability to hold the long-term vision beyond our short-term wants and desires. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that everyone would strive to do, but like how exactly did you raise your son on this? Like, I'm just trying to envision how I would do that. <laughs> I don't even know. I came out of, of my womb, like, pointing a finger and bob. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I think for, for me, because I have two boys, mm-hmm. and I want to make sure that I'm leading by example. So, for example, yeah. um, when I state that something's a priority, I don't say that I can't spend time with them. I say this is more of a priority right now. So I'm teaching them prioritization. Okay. Now I will invite and enroll my kids to work with mommy. And so I have a four-year-old, four and a half-year-old and an eight-month-old. And so obviously my eight-month-old, not so much working, but he, like my four-year-old grew up in his early stages while I was on my chest. So he, mm-hmm. like he was on my chest and I was working on my laptop building my business. Mm -hmm. And I would take him along to coffee shops so I could write some marketing emails. And I would bring him onto my live streams and involve him in the business. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that 
these days, especially after the pandemic, people are much more open and accepting to having like the the holistic aspects of life. Yeah. Because especially in lockdown, like the kid could walk in the room and, you know, and and being able to teach that and guide that. So holding Mm -hmm. boundaries, but also allowing them in and allowing them to see the work and see the results and see the successes. Mm -hmm. And um, another piece that I teach is money, like to my kids, which is something that a lot of people don't talk about with their Mm -hmm. children. And it's kind of like a, especially if you're not happy with your finances and it's like, oh, let let me just like, we're not going to talk about this. And oh, like this. And so kids don't have this, they're in this illusion of what they think, or they're, they're kind of left up to their own devices. Mm -hmm. And so we have an open communication about money and, um, talking about some economic principles like yield and investing. Mm -hmm. I mean, listening to a four-year-old explain yield is really fun for (laughs) money into the bank and then you it sits in the bank and then you make more money. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, well maybe stocks and whatnot. <laughs> but, um, but just him being able to kind of have that idea of, yeah. in, of different streams of different ways that he can produce income. Mm-hmm. Um, and we pay him for doing things that he loves. So I want to mm-hmm. instill that possibility that he can get paid to do the things that he loves doing. So he loves cooking with my husband. Mm-hmm. That's like, we'll put on his little chef hat. And so we encourage him to do that. And then he gets very excited about, you know, the shiny new money that he gets uh, <laughs> after he receives that. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrate both the work and give the reward. Whereas That's I don't, um, for me, I don't, as a mom, I don't pay for chores. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is something that we also cultivate a fi- family dynamic of talking about being a team unit. Yeah, And there's a difference in thinking of, your family is like, oh, it's this person does this and each like as a task oriented mm-hmm. thing, which is kind of what I see a lot of entrepreneurs fail at mm-hmm. when they first start their business. And especially when they first hire like a VA or outsource something, um, it's very task oriented. It's not team oriented. Mm-hmm. And so when you can think of your family unit as a team, there are roles that not always you get, like not always do you want to do certain things, but sometimes mm-hmm. to support the team, you you lean in and you help to cover them to, to help them do that. And so we don't pay for chores because that's part of, you know, working as a team, as a family yeah. dynamic to be able to create that. That's so interesting to hear about parenting. I'm, a, I'm like 26, so I haven't even considered this, but I'm always so curious to see how people do parenting in different styles. But speaking of like getting paid for your passions, uh, can you tell me like about, uh, because you help people find your zone of genius, can you tell me a little bit about that and what does that even mean? So your zone of genius is that thing that you could do for free, that thing Mm -hmm. that comes so easily to you. Maybe it's a way of thinking, a way, uh, something that you do just so naturally that you're like, doesn't everybody do it this way? Like, isn't everybody good at this? Mm -hmm. And no, they're not. That's your thing. That's your piece. It's in your zone of genius. Now, a lot of societal programming or what I call plagiarized programming will say like, oh, if it comes easy, then it goes against that big societal programming of hard work, mm-hmm. of work should be hard. And so what I found find a lot of entrepreneurs do, and I, I was guilty of this myself, is when they're starting a business, they do all the things except for that one thing that really lights them up. Yeah. And so for me, my zone of genius is in creating connecting and challenging. So I love challenging and that can come in a coaching call with me that can come on a podcast when I challenge, um, 
a strategy or a belief system mm-hmm. that can come in me sharing my my story of some challenges that I experience and giving examples to show possibility and perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, creating, it can be creating a podcast, creating a blog, creating a newsletter, creating um, a collaboration, a partnership, creating an event uh, and collaborating. I'm like, I love connecting. I love mm-hmm. connecting people with other people. I love connecting people with podcasts or tools or resources that they can help with. That's my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. And I have found that when an entrepreneur spends a majority of their time in their zone of genius, like 60, pushing 80% of the time, their income goes significantly up versus mm-hmm. when an entrepreneur starts out and they're doing all of the things in all of the areas that aren't really in their zone of genius, but that feel like work, that feel like that hard work paradigm, suddenly their incomes is still kind of capped at that. Mm-hmm. And and that's why I'm like a huge proponent of outsourcing what's not your zone of genius to mm-hmm. those other areas. Um, now that's not to say don't keep learning or don't learn things yeah. that you may need to figure out. Like when we for, were first launching our YouTube channel, like I knew I had to figure out like how to do certain pieces before I could mm-hmm. outsource it. But then once I'd figured those out, I knew that, okay, this is how I want the process to go. I could break it down into a process, have it in a system, and then pass it off and delegate it. But Mm -hmm. the zone of the two other zones that you want to be aware of are the zone of uh, competence and the zone of excellence. So first you have the, the zone of genius is like the goal. That's where we want to get to. But the zone of excellence is that area where you can be praised for doing lots of amazing things. Um, it could be the area that you've even won awards at. Maybe it's the area that you went to college at, that mm-hmm. you, you've got a great job at, you had a great career in, but it's not really that area that's your zone of genius. So like I had one client whose zone of genius was in building, creating amazing businesses, selling them. Great. And then sell. But she got stuck in that space of like, oh, but I really, really like this business and I like um, – I, I'm, I, I like the customer. So she would get stuck in that space before yeah. she would like knew that her, she loved the ebb and flow of create and sell, create and sell. And so having that dynamic, like I had another client, her zone of genius was in relationship building. And mm-hmm. she was literally in a meeting with one of her business partners. And the business partner was like, I don't know how she's so good at what she does. I'm not even sure what she's so good at doing. But I, th- I know she needs to be here at this meeting. And mm-hmm. she was there at the meeting and closed – a significant deal for her company. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the power of knowing and owning your zone of genius. When she realized her zone of genius was in building really amazing epic relationships and connecting um, two people together that could create even greater profit for her and mm-hmm. her company and create win-win solutions. That was her zone of genius. And so she focused on that versus, oh, I need to go out and do this like sales conversation. I need to yep. go out and, you know, do this like bookkeeping. Those things are in your what's the 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 realm that a lot of people do in busy work, which is zone of competence, where mm-hmm. it's like I can do it, I don't really want to do it, but I'll do it, and it's in the back of your subconscious mind. There's that yeah. belief of it needs to be hard. Building yeah. a business yeah. needs to be hard. Then there's that zone of excellence that I mentioned, where it could be things that you can can get praised for, things that you do really well, um, but they may not be that thing that lights your soul on fire. So, for example, I had one client who was really skilled in her career, but it just didn't – She her, her zone of genius was enacting complete change and transformation of industries. So staying in that one pigeonhole, it just – it just didn't get it. 
she, it, it didn't do it for her after years of doing it. Mm -hmm. And she just knew that she was made for more. And that's where the zone of genius came in. And when okay. she started stepping into that zone of genius, that's where she got that she got a, an amazing uh, executive position. So zone of competence is like what you can do well in, but you're not a fan of it. You just got to do it for the busy work zone of excellence is that you do, you get praised on it, but it's not like you don't feel personally that it's your calling. And then yeah, zone of genius is when it does feel like it is your calling. Yeah. So for example, when I first started um, my business, I built, like I got, had gotten used to word, WordPress websites and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. And I could, I could do some word, like I could build a website in a weekend if I wanted yeah. to, like I did our original site and I thought, well, with my coaching, I want to include website design. It was really only because I was doubting myself and my capabilities mm -hmm. as a coach. But I, my zone of genius really is in challenging, creating epic moments, creating breakthroughs. But I figured, oh, I'm going to add in this thing that's my zone of excellence. Like I can do mm -hmm. design a really nice website. It'll look really good. You'll have cohesive brand colors. You'll have a color scheme. You'll have – everything will look really cohesive. Mm -hmm. But – it just like I would come off of a weekend of doing that for a client and I'd be like, oh, I just I feel like I need a nap after like <laughs> eight hours of being on the computer. Mm -hmm. And my zone of competence was um, – but people – my clients would love the websites that I would build. Mm -hmm. But my zone of competence really is like housekeeping. Mm. I'm like – I can do it. I don't really want to do it. So like yeah. the dishes, if it wasn't for my husband, the dishes would stay in the dish in the sink for like a week. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it wasn't for him, he's the one who does all the cooking and that's, and that's his zone of genius. He yeah. loves cooking. And I've like, my son asked me to not burn toast. So I just, mm -hmm. I, I know where my zone of genius is also as a parent. <laughs> mm -hmm. So would you say that in the example of that stay-at-home mom and that lawyer, that lawyer was in zone of genius and didn't feel burnt out? Is that what you're trying to say? It's like yeah. probably what was that? Yeah, operating more in, in the zone of genius of being in that purpose, being mm -hmm. in that thing that challenged her mind. It made her feel vibrant. It made her feel like she was doing good in the world, both as an attorney and as a mother. And Versus the zone of competence, that's where you can feel that – that busyness, that constant mm -hmm. busyness of like the have tos, the shoulds. Um, and a lot of people can get stuck in that space mm -hmm. because they're so searching for purpose. But in order to create, in order to find, connect with, I don't believe you really find your purpose because I think your purpose is inside of you. Yep. But you have to get quiet. You have to get still and take some time and have some space to really feel into it instead of thinking. Mm -hmm. So something that I was a little bit wondering about is like, what if you don't know what your zone of genius or zone of excellence is? Because I know a lot of people who like, especially in their early 20s, they just like, yeah, I, I like a lot of things, but I don't know what will get me money out of it. And I don't think that I'm good enough to get money from it or just anything like that. Because everyone says like, follow your dreams. And then when you do that, what if you're just not good enough to get paid, but you'd like it enough to do it for fun. So how would you really navigate that in the first place? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not of the idea of like, oh, this job is not my zone of genius. So I must quit mm -hmm. and like <laughs> deprive my family of income. <laughs> Keep your job. <laughs> you can find it. But looking at what are those pieces of the jobs or those pieces of the mm -hmm. roles that you currently play that you really enjoy. 
and what are those things that you do that you really love? So like my path was not linear to growing a business, becoming a coach. It was very much, I followed my curiosity. I was very curious in screenwriting. One of the things I found though, was when my first film got produced and distributed, I was at the premiere and I was wondering like, why am I only 90% fulfilled? Mm. I thought like, this was my dream. This is what I thought. Mm -hmm. Like I, that, that was what I was here to do. And I said like, oh, that's interesting. Two weeks later, I found out that one of the kids who came to the film, he was a friend, uh, who was my friend's friend's son. Um, Because when you you write a movie, you get extra tickets and I passed them out like candy. And (laughs) he had come and and I got a text from my friend saying, I just want to let you know your film changed this kid's life. And I was like, Mm. really? Like that film? And she was like, yeah, it did. And I, and she said he was going down the same, like the film is called bro and it's about freestyle motocross. I know you'd mm-hmm. never think I would write a movie about freestyle motocross. I still have yet to actually get on a motorcycle <laughs> and drive it myself on the back of one I have been. Um, but that the, the story is about a young kid who wants to fit in with the cool crowd. And we've all mm-hmm. had that experience. Yep. And this kid was a, going down the same path as the main character, going out, doing a lot of partying, um, getting caught up with trying to fit in, starting to do drugs, starting to deal. And he saw the path that could lead to and change his life. Mm-hmm. And I said, that, that is what I want to do. I want to transform people's stories. And that's what I've been in the business of doing all along. So mm-hmm. even though I was a Pilates instructor, I was transforming people's stories about what was possible for their bodies after surgery or after having a baby. I was in my e-commerce company. I was transforming people's stories about what was possible for their um, home furnishings and how it could double as their as their workout devices yeah. and transforming people's stories about their back pain. As a coach, I, that, transforming stories is what I do all day long. Mm-hmm. But it took me a while to figure out, like, what is that linear, what is that threat through line throughout each one of these different interests that seem disconnected, mm-hmm. but they all are, it's the same thread of transforming people's stories. So allow yourself to get curious. Mm-hmm. If you don't like something that you're currently doing, ask why like what is it who when did i decide that i didn't like this who said i should like this cuz so often we'll bump our heads against the shoulds of life of what where parents said we should do what our parents said we should do to make money and we'll model that so i was fortunate enough to even though i grew up with some adversity with my dad being an addict i also saw my parents grow a business from like the time that i was a kid to mm-hmm. now and to after he he passed And I saw that journey and that evolution of entrepreneurship. So I thought, oh, if they can grow a multi-million dollar business in 30 years, what could I do in 10? Like, and that's without the addiction piece. Mm -hmm. So I I had that role modeled for me, fortunately. And I always knew that I loved business. I loved, I loved having, holding space to have really powerful conversations, but I didn't really know how I was, I didn't know I was good at sales. I didn't know, um, I didn't know those pieces and still I started putting myself out there and just getting curious and allowing myself to be courageous in my asks. So being courageous and bold with what it is that you like, what, and if you don't like something or if something doesn't feel like you like it, or if you think, oh, I really should be liking this, but I don't get curious about that. And then that'll kind of guide, that'll guide you 
into what it is that you do enjoy, what it is that you do do really well. I mean, there are kids out there who are, you know, really freaking good. Like their zone of genius is like getting level 30 on some like really crazy game and they're making tons of money. Like Gary V points at it all the time. Like (laughs) these kids who were playing video games or their parents were like, get off the freaking video games. They're now like (laughs) out earning their parents doing video games. Yeah. So it's it's allowing yourself to get curious. What is it about? What is it that you would love to master? What is it that you would truly love to master? And for me, that's always been storytelling and mastering character structures. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do in my business with my coaching clients is I see what character are they playing and what character is actually aligned with who they want to be and mm-hmm. what, what are the traits of that character, that person who is they're they're self-sabotaging that's that's preventing Mm -hmm. them from actually achieving what it is that they want Mm -hmm. so looking at those pieces that does that does that answer your question does that give some clarity i think like on the flip side and we might be going a little bit too deep in here but this is actually probably applying a little bit more to me is like what if you have too many interests and you worked on it because you liked it you worked on it so much that now it has become your zone of genius but now you have too many and then now all of a sudden you may be burning out because you're doing that 24-7 and you really want to focus on one thing to hone in. So let's give you an example of like content creation. I like video editing. I like audio editing. I like the marketing part of it. That, But I also like to do what I'm doing on my day job, which is not entirely creating, but it also is the same kind of mindset. So because of that, I'm like every time when there's like a new thing that's out there, I just end up liking it and then I work on it because I like it and then it becomes a zone of genius. So in some cases, I may have tricked myself into thinking that it doesn't feel like work. But at the same time, this could be a way of why a lot of entrepreneurs burn themselves out or they trick themselves into thinking that it's good for them. So I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Have you worked with clients that have something similar to this? Like the multi-passionates? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my specialty. So multi right. like looking at that multi-passionateness, what is it about that specific thing that you love doing? Mm-hmm. Like each one of those things, editing, podcasting, video, that there's probably things that you don't like. Mm-hmm. Am I right? That there are certain parts of it that you don't like? Or do you I, like all I of it? I grew to like it, so I don't know. You've grown, you've grown to like all of it. Um, so looking at those those pieces, when do you feel more energized? Okay. So focusing on the positive energy as to like what comes after. Yeah, looking at the energy that comes from it. So for mm-hmm. example, when I'm on back-to-back coaching calls or back-to-back podcasts, I feel more energized by session number five that day mm. than I did in the beginning because I know that I'm in the Okay, okay. That's a different way of thinking. Yeah, versus if it's if you feel like, oh yeah, yeah I accomplished this. Like sometimes we fall in love with the checking off of the to do list. Probably me. Doing the things <laughs> that we've loved. And we th- and that that ability to check off that list, that's efficiency. And so mm. perhaps your zone of genius could possibly involve something about making things more efficient, being efficient. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a different way of seeing it from that perspective. Yeah, I I think like I did actually make a video on my YouTube channel about this, about Ikigai. Have you heard about that? No. So Ikigai is like a Japanese concept where it's like a three Venn diagram. One is like what you love, what you do well in, and then what you make money or your social, like what can change the world kind of thing. So yes, I just just saw that in uh, Jay Shetty's book. Yep. Think like a monk. yeah, exactly. Exactly. From that is just like what I've been telling people is like, that's how I found my passion. But then my issue is like, oh, I got all this stuff. So like now all of a sudden, like, what is my passion? <laughs> um, but 
honestly, some passions of mine could just be, I just want to be busy. So I don't exactly know, but I'll, I'll take a step back and then think about like what adds more energy. So that is like something that I found was really helpful for me personally, is that that helped me find my zone of genius. And because you get to really think through, and a lot of people think like, oh, I like accounting. So that's going to be on there. No, it really isn't. Maybe you like working with numbers. Maybe you like working with data. That's like a different way of a different lens to look at things. And yeah. you just gave me a new lens to look at as like what adds more additional positive energy or at least like energizes you. Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. zone of genius is really a space that, that has that positive charge of yeah. energy where it's like it, it amplifies, it's amplifying, it's expansive. Mm-hmm. So after like, there may be, for example, accounting, like there's different pieces of accounting. Yeah. Maybe you like bookkeeping and you like keeping track like my operations manager marie she loves spreadsheets love spreadsheets like that's her jam she can Mm -hmm. do so many other things but spreadsheets and keeping that like she loves that and that's her zone of genius (laughs) not mine i Mm -hmm. love a well-organized spreadsheet like Mm -hmm. i'm a virgo like i love to see everything (laughs) in their little boxes and like oh yeah it's a beautiful thing but doing it drains me So Mm. I love creating a system like our production systems that we have or our private client coaching systems that we have. I'm really good at breaking down a process and I can create a system, but doing the step by step by step of every single doing on that system drains me. So there's mm-hmm. probably a piece of that system that you really love. There's a piece, there's an element mm-hmm. of looking at what piece of this d- energizes me. Like when I, uh, for example, when we started our YouTube channel, mm-hmm. I was I started out doing the editing because I wanted to figure it out. Yeah. I love figuring it out and then kind of seeing how we can adapt it. And I figured it out and I enjoyed like watching it, clipping it. That was like the creative element. I yeah. love the creativity. But after a while, I'd feel tired. And I'd mm-hmm. start to feel like, oh, like I would much rather just like play on the floor with my kids than mm-hmm. do that. And it, I think that's one of the benefits of becoming a parent is that it really does allow you to prioritize of like what is worth me taking that time away mm-hmm. from them and what is really worth my energy. And so my choice is like if it if it lights me up, I will do as much yep. of the thing that lights me up that gets me more expansive, more energized because a four-year-old and an eight-month-old take a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> and they're expansive and energizing in their own way, which also mm-hmm. goes to play into, like, every parent has their own parenting zone of genius. Like, my yeah. zone of genius is being that, like, musical, magical mom who also is, like, rocking out a schedule that we've mm-hmm. got, like, we've got gymnastics classes and things to go to. <laughs> like, that's my jam. And then, and mm-hmm. then the discipline piece is part of my zone of genius as a parenting. Yeah. The feeding my children, that's 100% up to my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you actually just brought up something that I did want to talk about because a lot of my audience is in women in tech. They I are they're like either stuck between do I want to focus on my career, grow it and then become a badass in it? Or do I want to also be a wife, a mother, and be able to have a good, healthy, personal lifestyle? But how do I mesh the two? Like, so everyone kind of, at least the people that I know, kind of know that, like, I'm going to have to sacrifice one or the other, or I can't do both really well. So in that kind of case, like, I know Zona Gene is, like, focusing on what you love to do, but what if that is at the sacrifice of, like, everything else around you? Like, how would you approach this? Because I think you also talk about how to provide a holistic kind of lifestyle, and you mentioned about the burnout, too, what you could do about that. So I'm curious about what your mindset is on on this. I believe that you can have it all. You just can't do it all. 
Like, mm. so as, as I, I have grown um, as a business owner and as a mother, as my family has grown, I have also delegated more. I've gotten very, okay. very fine-tuned as to what's my zone of genius and what's not. Like, for example, I held on to scheduling uh, podcast interviews, my private clients, my our, um, our courses, our workshops and live events. I held on to that for so long. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until my second son was born, I was like, you know what? I'm surrendering the calendar. Mm -hmm. And I will review it. I discuss with my assistant on that. But I just knew that me scheduling, because I was sleep deprived and living in a different country at that time of like... <laughs> I, I, it's, it's not going to be a pretty sight and I don't want to miss appointments. So I knew yeah. that I wanted to, I knew that scheduling was in my zone of competence, eh, kind of my zone of excellence, but mm -hmm. not like it was really in that I can delegate that. Yeah. So I've gotten very keenly and acutely aware of like, what can I delegate to somebody else and what can I outsource? Um, what can I, what can I, how can I create a support network around mm -hmm. to be able to allow me to have it all, but not do it all. So mm -hmm. having like, doing it all comes from that plagiarized programming of like, I'm not doing enough, that enoughness yeah. belief um, versus I believe outsourcing can be expansive. Um, for a while when we w were living in Australia for the two years during the pandemic, um, I found this, we just happened to manifest living above this amazing school, like this amazing pre-kinder school mm -hmm. for my son. And I was like, I felt so supported in sending my yeah. son there. Like we had always thought about homeschooling yeah. Um, yeah. with our kids so we could travel. But I just felt so good about that school that for uh, a year he went there a few days a week. And I was like, yes, I got I got that outsourced to a degree, but it yes. was a collaborative outsource. It's not yeah. like, oh, just take my kid. Like it was collaborative. It's I knew my his teachers were sending me pictures. I was connecting wow. with him. I was saying, oh, he's dealing with this at home. Oh, we're processing through this. Oh, he, here are his goals for this month of like an emotional goal or oh, wow. a, a connecting goal. So it was a fabulous school in Australia. And, and I just, I haven't found that here so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm more, I'm happier to have him here doing some online learning. Mm -hmm. um, but but I found other things like we found an amazing basketball coach. And so I've put him in multiple different sports with this coach mm -hmm. so that he could be in that in that learning environment societally and get that yeah. exposure with with other kids. So mm -hmm. it ebbs and flows, especially if you're planning on like traveling and living in different countries <laughs> like I've done. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, trusting that you will find the support and, and to actually actively seek out support, because mm -hmm. if you're not asking for help, you're not going to receive it. And mm -hmm. that that belief of not enoughness can so often come up, especially as a parent. And that mom guilt can come up, which is why I yeah. say like I enroll my children in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I try to share with them. Oh, like when mommy's on a coaching call, mommy's serving someone who paid her. Like when uh, bringing them onto a live stream, involving them in the work that I'm doing, being okay if they're sitting like my son now likes to sit at my husband's desk in our home so that he can, he sits there and he'll do be on his little laptop playing Khan Academy and he'll be like, <laughs> we're working together. And I'm like, yeah, Aww. buddy. And so like, we'll, we'll be doing in, in that space, creating that environment of it being mm -hmm. a collaborative effort. But it comes from being very grounded. And I know that I'm a better mom because I'm a business owner and I'm mm -hmm. a better business owner because I'm a mom. And I don't believe in that there's a sacrifice in that yep. because each one helps 
amplify that. And I'm a better business owner because I'm a better wife and I'm a better wife because I'm a business owner because my business, your business, especially if it's your own business, will always be some sort of a reflection of things and and, an enhancement of you. Yeah. Um, And it, some of the, the things as you grow your business, you'll start to realize, oh, this is something I need to shift within myself. Maybe it's your communication. Maybe it's how you're approaching problems. Maybe it's your perspective. Maybe it's mm-hmm. your decision-making strategy. And that can, and like, for example, I got my husband, my husband was very old school before he met me. He's a he's 19 years older <laughs> than I am. <laughs> and, and I, he used to do like paper calendar. Mm-hmm. And I said, we're going to go into one cohesive system and have a <laughs> shared calendar so that we can be on the same page and kind of yeah. go through. But that didn't happen until my business had started to grow a bit. And, yeah. and I had to enroll his support and then see, okay, how can I build a system of support around me? Like what what life support systems do I need in order for me to be up, operate at my best so my kids operate at their best? Mm-hmm. And if there's a problem, then we get to discuss it. We get to find a solution for it. Mm-hmm. So being solution-minded and having that can-do attitude can be is super powerful. And then asking for support when you need it mm-hmm. and delegating. Yeah. I think like when you specifically talked about how like being successful at work is not exclusive to being successful in your personal life because I had my podcast guest, Marie Toxa. She was actually on here because she was in the Accenture Apprenticeship Program. And she was also a mother at the same time. And when I was talking about like, oh, how did that work out? But she said like, well, as a mother, you have to learn how to negotiate with your kids. You have to learn about being like a time timely manner organized. So all of a sudden now you're just like, you're amazing and genius in this at work. It's just a matter of like reshifting the way that you're actually using it. But um, it's really like, if you're trying to figure out like, how do I show off to this like employer or to this client that I have the skill set, but I don't have it professionally, you could bring in your personal life. It's like, hey, well, I'm a master of negotiating my child to go to sleep at the right time. So that's like something that she mentioned. <laughs> it's a, it, it, As long as you see everything mm-hmm. through the lens of learning and growth, you can yeah. find the learning opportunities and they can apply in mm-hmm. every area. So the the lessons that you're going through with your kid when they're throwing mm-hmm. a tantrum, how you emotionally manage yourself can be how exactly. you you know emotionally manage your own temper tantrum when Instagram closes and deactivates your account. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that that hasn't happened more on a few occasions. So actually, speaking of that, I see you have like a podcast, a YouTube channel, Facebook group, TikTok, like. Tell me about how are you managing that? Like, what exactly is the goal? Is it just like crown yourself is like the main one and then these are like peripherals to get like traffic to crown yourself? Uh, tell me a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so um, our podcasts, our YouTube channel, they're all free resources that I love mm-hmm. to provide with value that are also, if if people resonate with that yeah. content, they can come in to crown yourself and, and work with me. Mm-hmm. Um, or work in one of our programs. Like we have a program on how to get booked and profit from guest podcasting, how mm-hmm. to start your own podcast, um, how to really own your communication. We have tons of different other self-study courses, supportive resources, but really providing people with an opportunity to get to know me, my style, how I coach, and each one of those shows a different flavor of personality. Yeah. yeah. And shows a different mm-hmm. flavor using the the medium and the platform. But I always believe that you should never 
build your business on somebody else's business. Mm -hmm. And so the, and the technologies of social media are all ever changing and ever present. Mm -hmm. Um, And so using the technology as a tool and not letting it use you is a huge piece of being a conscious creator and then letting those tools, using those to drive traffic toward what it is that you are building yourself. Yep. Like Instagram deactivating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, (laughs) a current, (laughs) a current problem. I'm like, ah, my social media manager was like, uh, we, we got deactivated. Um, what's up? And I was like, it's been two weeks. We'll find out. <laughs> Fortunately, right. I have my other, my other Instagram account, that's yeah. my, my personal one that I use just to kind of show the behind the scenes of my own mm-hmm. mom life and work life and balancing both. But the, the ability to just say, you know, if, if my, I'm reliant on my income by having an Instagram profile, then there's a problem. So mm-hmm. I like to always use each one of the social media tools, mm-hmm. including podcasts, including YouTube, um, as a, as kind of like be- lights to like beacons to bring people into the crown yourself world. Mm-hmm. And then, and then they get in and we roll out the red carpet for them and let them crown themselves <laughs> and build their empires and help them make more income and impact. Mm-hmm. And all of your social media will be down below in the description. So I did want to ask a little bit about like, what advice do you have, like final advice for a woman in the workplace that want to find their zone of genius or be able to crown themselves or even like learn a little bit about what you do if they are interested in your services? Yeah, so those are a few good questions. I'll start <laughs> with the first one for advice. Um, for advice, get curious. If you're not sure of what you're supposed to be doing, it, it is really your thing. If you're not sure about how you can even show up as a better leader, start Mm. getting curious about what is it about your own leadership that you're loving? What is it about your own thought processes that you're loving? And what is it about your belief systems that you currently have that you're loving that make you feel energized or that deplete Mm -hmm. your energy? Like, for example, you know, a, a belief system that I used to have years ago was like believing that I always needed to be informed of what was going on in the news. That was depleting my energy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so I chose to like, I, I will sporadically look, mm-hmm. but I choose to keep my focus on what I'm building and creating yep. and what I'm, what is within my zone of uh, agency, what is within my control. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at what are those belief systems, thoughts, habits, people that uplift your energy and what's draining your energy. Get mm-hmm. curious. There's no right or wrong answer. It's okay if your kids are currently draining your energy. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have them on that list, but make it make an energy audit as far as like what people, places, things, belief systems, thoughts, habits are energizing you mm-hmm. and are depleting you. Because if it's your kids, sometimes because people feel bad, they're like, I don't want to put my kids are, you know, are depleting my energy. And I'm like, well, they can. Like if it's maybe sleepless nights. So maybe you yeah. need to have like have ask your husband for support or ask your partner for support. Um, maybe you need to shift the sleeping arrangements. Maybe you start co-sleeping instead of mm-hmm. doing the crib thing for a little while. But it's just be honest with your energy audit. Mm-hmm. That's the key thing because then you'll be able to start to see, okay, these thoughts are really empowering. These habits are really empowering and energizing and these ones are not. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It just means that there's space to grow, but allowing yourself to get curious and do that energy audit. Secondly, if you love this episode, if it resonated with you, if you want to have a chat with me and, and explore about how to crown yourself and you can always come over to crownyourself.com and click the button that says work with me and I'm more than happy to have a 90 minute high performance acceleration consult with you. 
All right. And then was there anything that's on the horizon for you in 2022 that you would like to share? Oh, so much. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Like we just did a big move back to America and and so I'm excited. Last year was very very challenging for me. Mm -hmm. I lost three family members. Um and that and birthed a new family member. So <laughs> if last year was any indication of what I'm capable of mm -hmm. with without the 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 challenges that come with grief. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for what's coming up this year. We're launching our Communication Queens program again, teaching nice. people how to profit and get booked on podcasts. We, uh, my book will be coming out this year, finally. Um, and my husband and I are launching a, a private membership-only podcast called Rain Together that is all about how we co-lead our families as two entrepreneurs. I love how the title like matches so well with Crown Yourself. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So lastly, what can we do to support to you? Oh, I love that question. If if you love this episode, then definitely just jump in on whatever social media platform is your jam and connect with me. Just drop me a DM or you can also email info at crownyourself.com and my team will get that and they'll forward it directly to me. Um, if you want to just connect and share what, you, what breakthroughs you'd have on this episode. Like for me, the benefit of coming on these podcasts is just hearing the breakthroughs that people have. Mm. So if there was a specific aha, a takeaway, a new practice that you're like, oh, I'm going to try that energy audit thing and see if my kids really are draining my energy, <laughs> then, uh, then just let me know if that served you. I always love to see how I served and how I can always improve um, and, and do better. So I, I would love to connect with you. You can drop me a DM, a PM or an email. <laughs> I was I was going to say EM because it was I was on a roll. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I definitely learned a lot, especially like the zone of genius for me, particularly because I wasn't sure what mine would be, but it was definitely helpful. So I'm pretty sure if anyone out there is listening and also wasn't sure how to tackle it, definitely check out Crown Yourself and all the links will be down below. So thank you so much, Kim, for being on this podcast. And I hope that everyone will start reaching out to you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Christine. I look forward to hearing all of your breakthroughs, including yours, Christine. I'd love to know what your <laughs> set of geniuses after you kind of explore it a little bit. I will definitely. Thank you so much.